This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 1 and we'll get there. In just a second, we started this series a couple weeks ago, and we called it Promises, Promises. And what we've been looking at and discussing for the last few, week, uh, last few weeks are the promises of God. What do the promises of God look like in the scripture? What does it sound like? How do we understand the promises? How do we experience the promises of God? These are really all important questions that we want to know or should want to know the answers to. So we've been looking at the promises of God in kind of two different categories. Uh, God gives us promises as it relates to his word uh, so that we would follow his ways, that we would live the life that he designed for us to live. And the promises of God as it relates to that have to do with um, repercussions for our actions or the blessings that follow our actions. And for those of you who are parents, you know that you give instructions to your kids and it kind of sounds like this. Hey, if you keep up this attitude, if you keep up this negative thing, if you keep talking like this, if you keep acting like this, if you keep uh, being down in the mouth all of the time, in the long run, I want you to know, I promise you, it's not going to pay off in the end. And then the the converse of that is, hey, you know, it's it's really important to maintain a good attitude when you have a bad boss, because when you maintain a good attitude when you have a bad boss, it's going to pay off in the long run, I promise you. And that's what we see in the scripture as it relates to following the ways of God. God gives us promises as it relates to the way we act in life. And and this is nothing new for us. We know this is true and we can look out in society and and realize that uh, behavior pays off in a certain way. And then the second category, we would see that and, and understand that Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and provided a bunch of things for us, things as it relates to our lives, practical things that we need to live our lives, that those things have been provided for us through the promises of God. And last week we talked about um, this idea that the promises of God, Second uh, Corinthians tells us, are yes and amen. They're yes in Christ, and then we affirm that yes by saying amen. This is a really important uh, principle to understand. How do we experience the promises of God? So we spent all of last week talking about that. The first week uh, talked about just this idea of desiring the word of God, the plans of God for our life. So if you've missed either of those messages, I encourage you to go back uh, and check them out online through the podcast. And then also through our church app, you can listen to those messages. So the word promise itself is defined this way. Promise is a declaration by one person to another that something will or will not be done, giving the person to whom it is made the right to expect the performance of whatever has been specified. So God has specified in his word some promises. And once again, we can expect certain things or not expect certain things based on what that promise is. We've discussed some of those things already in this series. But God has promised us something, so we should want to know what those promises are, and then we should also want to experience those promises. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this, And I am sure of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, we read this the first week, but I'm reading it again. It fits really well today with what we're going to be talking about, that God is going to be completing something in you until he returns or, or, or until you pass away and go to go to be with him, that he is sanctifying you, that he's setting you apart, that he's completing something in you, that he's accomplishing something in you and through you. And this is good news for us. And the great thing is that this is a promise. God is promising to complete things in us. Uh, He began something in you. We said yes to his ways. We said yes to Jesus. He, He began something in you, and then he wants to bring something to completion. Was it just a moment of time that what he was interested in? Just, just a prayer that you would say on a Sunday. Uh, it wasn't just a moment of something like that, but it's actually a life and he's gonna be completing something in your life. And one of the songs that we sang today called Hindsight, looking back at our lives. Now, the older that you are, the benefit that you have in a sense is you have, um, the the longer view of seeing God's faithfulness continue to work in your life. And then the younger you are, and then maybe sometimes if you're in the middle of a difficult situation, you're kind of like trying to figure all of that out. But God is constantly completing things in us. It is a promise. So he's working when we don't see it, and he's working when we don't understand what's going on in our lives. And everything in between, even when we see things, maybe, oh, something isn't changing in this moment. God is continuing to work and do things on our behalf. He is completing something in you. Now, when we think about uh, the lives that we live, one of the ways that we could describe our life is a mosaic. Now, if you are familiar with maybe... Um, mosaic and what type of artwork that would be. I actually have a sample of a mosaic picture. So this is an art form where you take a bunch of broken pieces, and and specifically this is tile of some sort, and it, you know, made some sort of artwork out of all of these broken tiles. Now, none of these tiles are the same, that they're all different shapes and sizes. And if you were to hold one of those pieces just by itself, one of these broken pieces Let's just leave this up here for a while, guys. What, what would we say? Well, we got a, I have a broken piece. I, I, I just have one thing in my hand that is broken. But when we take that one broken thing and when we put it together what, with a bunch of other broken things, we can actually make something beautiful with those broken things. And this is what God is doing with our lives. Do you know that... Uh, You know, people appreciate God for different things, but God is uh, both an artist and a physicist. He's both ends of the scale. He's the ultimate mathematician, and then he is the ultimate, uh, the artist with the most talent and the most musical gifting and the ability to paint skies with different things. And he is all of these things because he has created all of these things. But what we would focus on this morning and realize this morning with all of the broken pieces of our lives that God, the ultimate artist, is putting all of these broken pieces together to create something special. That he is actually completing something in you. But at any given moment of your life, you're just holding a broken piece. And that broken piece could make you cry. 
That, that broken peace can make you want to give up. That broken peace can be a really hard, difficult struggle as it relates to addiction. That broken peace can be a broken relationship. That broken peace can be somebody who was your friend and then they betrayed you, stabbed you in the back. You thought forever that you were going to be with them, that they were going to be your ride or die. And then they weren't and all you were left with was a broken peace. Some people in here, you know, thought you were going to be married forever and then you weren't. And, and what are you left with? You're, you're left with a broken relationship in your hand. Some of you thought, you know, I'm going to be loyal to this company. I'm going to serve this company for decades. And then you got let go. And all you were left with was a broken piece. And see, really, our, our life in one sense is just a lot of stories of brokenness. And it is kind of something that we all have in common, the difficulties that we face. But what God, the great artist, is doing is he's taking all of the broken pieces of who you are and he's actually completing something in your life. Now, God is not breaking you to then build you back up, as we've said and as we've discussed in this, in this series, that the things that steal, kill, and destroy, they don't come from God, they actually come from the enemy. So we face all of these difficult things and, and we have brokenness. But then God takes all of those pieces and he's knitting it together and he's causing something beautiful to come from it. He's putting it together, the great artist God. Romans chapter 8 verse 27 says this, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's good news for us. Verse 28, And we know... For those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. All things. Now the struggle, once again, I think we have sometimes doctrinally, we, we read this thing, all things. But then all of the things actually don't come from God, as we've discussed at length in this series. That the brokenness you face has come from a lot of different places and sometimes Somebody hurts you, as we've described. That, that brokenness, that pain didn't come from God, but it is a part of your life. And so God is going to take all of the things, all of the things that he places in your life, all of the goodness that comes to us, and then all of that brokenness that happens to us. Things that we would never choose, that sometimes other people choose for us. In a negative sense. And then the stuff that happens to us, because we live in a broken world, God is taking all of that, and he's working all of that together for your good, even though he didn't intend, and it wasn't in his perfect will for your life, for you to experience that negative thing, to go through that thing that stole from you and killed you and destroyed you. We know John 10 says that actually comes from the enemy, but God takes all of it. He's taking all of those things, all of those experiences of your life, even the ones that he didn't give you, and he's working it together for his good. He's completing something in you, something we can't actually see. Sometimes things take, oh, five years later, and I, oh, God turned this situation around. Because ultimately, if you think about it, God only has broken pieces to work with. All of us are broken and dysfunctional to a measure. 
And as we said also in this series, you know, if you think, you know, I'm educated and I'm awesome and I'm a really good person, pride is your brokenness. See, God only has imperfect people to work with. People who are making bad choices sometimes and doing stupid things to each other sometimes and then doing stupid things to your own self sometimes. So God takes all of that, even the things that he didn't give us, even the things that he didn't intend for us to experience. He takes all of that. And what is he doing? All things working together for good. That God is... Give me that picture again. No, the, the artwork. He's taking all of those broken pieces of your life. Do you have a few broken pieces? Do you have some stories? <laughs> I got some stories to tell. That's broken pieces. Broken relationships, broken situations. He's taking all of those things and he's doing something special with all of it, with all of our lives. Psalm 138 verse 7 says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures Forever, do not forsake the work of your hands. Uh, what's, what does the first part of verse 7 say? Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Though I walk through the midst of difficulties, in the middle of difficult situations, God is preserving my life, that he is continuing to do something in me. His goodness is continuing to do something even even in the middle of brokenness, when brokenness, when someone else chooses brokenness for me, or I choose it foolishly for myself. In the middle of that, he's preserving your life. Preserving your life. Could you ever think, did you ever, I, I know this might be true, I don't know, boys, I'm not sure what girls did, but when I was young, I did a lot of stupid stuff. Like, I was up on roofs of buildings, schools, houses. I don't know why I had this fascination. But it was really dangerous. I look back, I'm like, that was a lot of stupid stuff I did. You know, I, I drove bikes in very dangerous places, making a bunch of stupid choices. But God, thank God, preserving my life. John 16, verse 33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you would have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In the world you're going to have tribulation. This isn't in, we, we don't have this in the forefront of our mind as it relates to a promise. Jesus is promising us that in the world that we live in, there's going to be tribulation. No, God is not providing the tribulation. He's saying in the world, not in God, in the world... This is what it's like. I promise you, in the world, this is what it's like. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be some broken pieces. Some going to be some broken things that we experience. But he, he said, in me, you're going to have peace. In the world, separate the two now in your mind. In the world, we're going to have tribulation, not in God, but in, in Christ, in God. What are we going to have? In the middle of that tribulation, we're going to have peace. Why? Because God is working things out. In the middle of contradictory circumstances that he doesn't give 
but are in the world that we live in. God wants us to have peace. And then what does Jesus say? But take heart, I have overcome the world. So he always wants us to look up. We sang about the resurrection. He always wants us to realize, even when we're holding a broken piece, a piece of death, a relationship died, something went wrong and a death happened, an actual physical death. Some other death of something happened in your life. And you're holding this peace, this broken peace. What does he tell us? I have overcome the world and I'm working all of these things together for your good. I didn't give you these negative things. I'm not hurting you to then heal you. But you're going to hold these pieces. You're going to have these pieces. I have overcome the world. So in the middle of a broken situation, what should we do? We talked about this last week with our words. Our posture should be up. Our posture should be the posture of resurrection. I know I have a broken thing right now, but I know that God is taking this broken thing that he didn't give me and he's going to work something good with it. Why? Because he's completing something in me. He's creating a mosaic with my life. He's taking all of these broken pieces of my life and he wants me to have the posture of resurrection. He wants me to realize that he has overcome the world. He has overcome the world. Or, or what, what's our other attitude? Well, then we just hold all these broken pieces and cry and feel sorry for ourselves. And we got all these broken pieces. Well, I've got it worse than everybody else. Look at all of my broken pieces. And then we lay them out scattered and separate. And we tell all of our individual broken piece stories. And this is hard. And this has been hard for me. And this has been really hard for me. And you don't understand how hard it's been for me. No, no let's, let's agree with Jesus. Yes, we're going to have tribulation. But he has overcome the world. He wants us to have peace. And he wants us to know that he's taking all of those things and he's working those things together for my good. And he's creating a beautiful piece of art with my life. Even in the middle of my brokenness, some of which I have created. Working these things out. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Wilderness and desert. And somebody was like, you know what? I just, could we just not go through the wilderness and the desert? How about that? Wouldn't it be better, God, if we just don't have wilderness and desert? I mean, this seems to make logical sense to me. But if we wouldn't have wilderness and desert, then we actually wouldn't have a will. And if we didn't have a will, we couldn't actually choose love. And then we would just be robots walking around and there would be no consciousness. And then let's get really philosophical on the whole thing. 
But the reason that there's wilderness and desert is because we actually have a choice. But in the middle of those situations, in the middle of the brokenness, in the middle of the brokenness that comes from the enemy and people's choices, in the middle of that, what is he doing? I'm doing a new thing and it's going to spring forth in the middle of the wilderness and the desert. It's another way of saying brokenness. The broken pieces that I'm holding in the middle of that. God promises us that he's doing something. He's taking all of those pieces and he's working them together for my good. Man, this is good news for us today. See, a lot of the times these things are working and and they're working behind the scenes. God is working behind the scenes. If If I can think about a couple situations here at the church, really hard, difficult situations. That if you were to ask me in that moment of uh, if it actually happened, this thing just happened. You can't see anything except the problem. You can't feel anything except the pain. Have you ever had those moments? That's all that you can see. And that's all that you can feel. It's the immediate impact of that thing that came from the enemy or somebody made a stupid choice. That's all that you can see. And that's all that you can feel. But listen to the promise of God. The promise of God. God who transcends our circumstances. God who is outside of our circumstances. With his love and his goodness. We just read about his steadfast love. In the middle of that, he says, I'm... I'm Look, I'm doing a new thing. I I want you to take that broken piece. And I want you to put it in my hands. And I want you to not worry about it anymore. Not try to figure out why it happened. Not try to figure out why they did what they did and why they said what they said. Not linger on the broken piece. But I know that God is doing a new thing and it's going to spring up in the wilderness and it's going to spring up in the desert. Listen, he promises it to you. God is doing it. God is promising this to you. He's doing a new thing. And see, we need a new thing when the old thing isn't working. When we're holding an old broken piece of a situation. What does he want to do? He wants to do a new thing for us. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout giving seed to the sower and bread to the either. Verse 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, God is saying to us. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. He's completing something in you. 
He's taking all of those things. All of the, the good things that he's given to you. All of the blessings that you have. All of the good experiences. And then all of the stuff that he didn't intend. All of the stuff that he didn't give you. All of the stuff that he didn't choose. All of the stuff. The experiences. The broken pieces. He's taking all of that and he says that his word does not return to him empty. That he is completing something in you. So what do we do? We, we, we look up, literally and figuratively. The scripture says that he is the glory and the lifter of my head. He's lifting up my head. Why? Because we can be staring down at our brokenness. And just staring at it and trying to figure it out and trying to make sense of it. And why do they do it? And why did it happen? And why do they say it? Well, think about it. He lifts our heads so that we can look at him, not the stuff. Because our, our lives are a litany of broken pieces. I mean, we could have a real what was me moment right now, couldn't we? In church, I mean, all of us could be like, and then they said this. And then they did this. And then I got fired. And then this person died. And then this thing happened. In the middle of all of that, what is God? God is lifting up our head that we would actually look at him. Because life can be really confusing. But God is good. Life can be really hard, but God is good. See, in this understanding of life, man, it helps us to live. Do you understand that this helps us to live? This, what I'm talking about today is not some sort of religious way of living. This is how to live life. This is how to live our lives. Otherwise, we could spend years, decades feeling sorry for ourselves, staring at our brokenness, asking why, being disillusioned, being hurt. But man, God wants us to look at him in the middle of all this. Why? Because he's working all of this together for good. Well, how's he going to do it? I don't know. He's God. Don't, don't try to figure it out. Put your trust in him. Genesis 50, verse 19, famous story about Joseph. Joseph who went through all of these terrible situations and circumstances at the, because of his brothers, because of his family. Have we got any stories about that in the room? Not strangers. Family, blood, the people closest to me. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I am in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, all of these things from the enemy, they're intended to harm me. But then God takes those things and he works good with the things that he actually doesn't give us and the things that he did not intend for us to experience. He will take all of the mess of life 
And he's turning our life into a beautiful piece of art for his glory, for his purposes, not my own. One more story before we finish today. There's a story in the Old Testament of a young man. His name is Mephibosheth. Can you all say that with me today? Mephibosheth. (laughs) I heard a lot of different things there. Mephibosheth. Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson, Saul, the first king of Israel. And if you know the story of the Old Testament, Saul and Jonathan, his son, both died on the same day. Saul had wandered away from God and David was soon to be king of Israel. So his father and his grandfather died on the same day. And then, so Mephibosheth was about five years old and there was a nurse taking care of him. And so she heard about Jonathan and and Saul both dying. And so she thought maybe they were going to come for Mephibosheth as well. So she was running with him in her hands and she dropped him and he became paralyzed. How many of you think that's a broken piece? How many know that's not something that God wanted? God's not paralyzing people. God is good. So here, this terrible thing that he didn't choose, that he didn't want. She's trying to protect him. She drops him. Terrible, tragic situation. And then he's paralyzed. And then many years later, David becomes the king of Israel. And this is, man, this is one of my favorite Bible stories. David calls for, for Mephibosheth. Who? Mephibosheth, a guy who's experienced brokenness. A guy whose life has been a little bit messed up. And then part of it, a lot of it, has nothing to do with his choice. We've all got stories like that. Just read it here in Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. It says, And David said, Is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? David and Jonathan were really good friends. So after all of this turmoil and everything, David is wanting to be an honoring individual. He's wanting to honor the king's family or the former king's family. Verse 2, now there was a servant of the house of Saul. His name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone in the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Bakir, the son of Amiel, at Lodibar. Are you glad I'm reading this? Verse 5, The king David sent and brought him to the house of Bakir, the son of Amiel, at Lodibar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, said, Son of Saul came to David and fell on his face and paid face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. Now, now what could Mephibosheth be thinking at this moment? He he is the last living heir to the throne. And so now David is king. 
So what maybe is David going to do? He's going to kill him, maybe, so that there's no other rightful claim to the throne. So Mephibosheth in his, in his mind could be thinking, here's just another thing. Someone dropped me. This thing happened to me. I've been paralyzed. And now the king is calling for me. I've been sort of hiding away in someone else's house. And now David finds out that I'm alive and maybe he's going to kill me. Verse 7. And David said to him, do not fear. Set his mind at ease. For I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. Everybody say restore. This is what God does with the broken pieces of our lives. He restores us, takes all of that stuff. Verse 9. Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you, your sons, and your servant shall, shall till the land for him and shall bring him in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commanded his servant, so will your servants do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. What does God do with all the broken pieces of our lives? Does he, does he call us to himself to be angry at us and to be mad at us and say, you know, this thing happened to you and here's a stupid mistake that happened and so I'm just going to be mad at you? No, what does he do? He calls us to himself and he restores us. And then what do we do? We sit at the king's table. We sit at the king's table. And when you sit at the king's table, nobody can see your paralysis. He's just like one of the other sons, just like one of the king's sons. And do you know who you are? You are a child of the Most High God and God invites you to his table with all of your brokenness, with all of your mess-ups, with all of your mistakes, with all of your stupidity, with all of the stuff that you didn't choose that happened to you when somebody dropped you. That God invites all of who you are to his table and because of Jonathan's sake, because of Jesus. God restores us. Takes all of who we are. All the good parts. All of the brokenness. And he's working it all together for his good. Let's just pray this morning. God, we love you today.
You're such a good God. We are so thankful, Lord, for your promises to us. And God, we just thank you, according to your word, that you are making a beautiful mosaic with our lives. God, God, we choose to think about your peace and we, we choose to think that you have overcome the world. So we no longer stare at our brokenness. We no longer stare at our difficulties. We no longer stare at the wrong choices that we made. We no longer stare at the wrong choices others made. We no longer stare at the work of the enemy in our lives. We know that you invite us to your table. And we thank you for that today, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and for your love. Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.